0: Thank you, man. Good to see you. Well, I'm all right with the dude thing, because you're probably going to hear that about eight times. Do you guys love your pastor? Let's try. I'm going to give you another shot. Dude. You love this dude up here? What, man? Come on. Yeah. That's great. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say the word excited, because I think it's an overused word, so I'm going to say something different. I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. Is that all right to say? Uh, I was a little concerned, though. I got to be honest for just a moment when Pastor Jesse was talking about the the women's stuff going on, and then when you said, "Yeah, when they get home," I thought, "Bro, they like how how many wives do you guys do here?" At Res life, what's that? And then you corrected yourself, so it's, it's all good. so I'm feeling a, a little better now, and I do think that when uh, when when Jesse was saying, "How many of you guys are getting out and hanging out?" Remember that question? Uh, I think I heard a couple of you say, "Like, like, bro, I." I haven't even been home yet. I came straight to church from last night. Maybe that was Mark Batts sitting behind me, but anyway, um, no, I am really thrilled to be here with you guys, and if this is your first time here, I hope I don't scare you away. I do hope that you come back and hear from your pastor next week, because uh, he has some really great stuff to say. I know that, not because I've heard him speak a lot, but just because I've, I can see his heart. You know, you can see the heart of a person when they love people, they love you, you're authentic and genuine, and you better live up to it, bro, because I don't <laughs> want to be like blowing smoke up here, you know. Um, I did ask uh, Pastor Jesse, I said, hey, I, I wrote a book this year, should I bring some copies? And he said, yeah, totally, man, bring some copies. So I did that, and I'm going to give a couple away here in, uh, in a bit. I'm actually going to give one away in a second. How many of you guys read? Anybody here read? We're still reading. Okay, good, good, good. How many of you guys, uh, and this is like old fashioned stuff. Anybody remember this material right here? <laughs> that stuff that you can act, it smells a certain way. You can write on it. How many of you guys are paper Bible people and you're never going to go anywhere other than that? Okay, all right, old fashioned. How many of you guys, how many are like Bible app people, like digital? That's me, come on, man. Like, okay, I'm an app person, cool. So when you are looking up scriptures on your phone, I know what you're really doing. You're not listening. You're texting. You're posting. Like, who is this dude, man? I got to get out of here. So, no, man. It's it's all good. But I, I wrote this. Uh, and I want to tell you about it really quick because I'm going to talk about a subject from it today. Um, it's called Now What: An Honest Look at Following Jesus Through Life's Difficult Times. And I wrote this book after being totally honest with you. After surviving five of the worst years of my life, um, I was a pastor. Married, kids, you know, the whole gamut, just like many of you trying to do everyday life. And I found myself at a place where I totally was believing that God had left me for dead. I mean, literally abandoned me. I don't know if you've ever been that place. Maybe you're, you're a follower of Christ, and you're like, I'm not the only one. Like, I'm in a horrible situation. Where has God gone? And that, that question was my life for like five years, and I went to a very dark place personally, and by the grace of God, obviously I survived because I'm standing here, but during that season I learned a lot about me that was really scary, and I learned a lot more about God that I wouldn't have ever learned if I hadn't gone through that season, and I discovered painfully that God often does his greatest work in us when we go through our times of greatest trial, And when I got through it, I really feel like God said to my heart, he's like, I want you to tell this story. I want you to get it out because, Scott, you're not the only one. And so as I began to look through scripture, I thought, well, I'm not the only one. Look at people who gave their life to the cause of Christ who lost much along the way. And a lot of my friends were like, dude, that's, I so relate, there's a dude, there's one. Um, I can relate to this thing, and so I wrote about it. So if you if you're there, and maybe you're like, man, I, this this is speaking to me already. I encourage to Spend the ten bucks. I went through five years of hell to write this thing. You can spend ten bucks, okay? <laughs> and uh, they're going to be right over there. Grab a copy. Um, if you if you, if it really resonates with you, and you're not at a place in life to invest that kind of money into yourself let me know I'd love to give you a copy I've been at places talking about this and I've had folks say I mean literally I'm not I'm telling you the truth here they're like I'm gonna take 10 and I'm gonna go put them on the desk of everyone who works for me you know that kind of stuff and it's just really uh speaking to a lot of people so if you're interested you can grab any way out they'll be over there who 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 would really read this if I actually gave it to you in the back corner you raise your hand come on up I'm gonna give it to you all right come on give her a hand here she comes here you go What's your name? Min. Men? Yeah. Nice to meet you, you Men. Too. Thank you. Here you go. Thank you. Give her a hand again. That's awesome. Okay, and I'm gonna do this. You know, kids pastors, right? We've been kids pastors. Um, I'm gonna keep one. So if y'all sit up straight and tall and smile the whole time, I'm gonna give one away at the end. Um, what I, I'm, I let me show you a picture of my family. My wife Shelley and I've been married for longer than I can even remember. It's like 20 years or something like that. Uh, we have three kids. Two are really fantastic. Um, <laughs> you caught that, didn't you? No, we love all three. Um, no, they're great kids. I took the. We took this up the road, about uh, 45 minutes from our house. I tried to find a picture with snow to make y'all feel good because um, I haven't. I I live near Sacramento, California, and um, we pay what's called the sunshine tax, the cost of living, but we have sunshine. All the time. I left on Friday. I've been here for less than 48 hours, and I'm already depressed because I haven't seen the sun. And you're talking about, who are sunshine people? I'm like, Jesus is the sun. Man, he's the sun, S-O-N, but come on, right? The light of the world, dude. Come on, get, get with this thing. Um, but that's, that's our family right there, and uh, yeah, we live outside of Sacramento in this little town called Folsom. Anybody ever heard Johnny Cash? Yeah. It's Folsom. We do have that prison down the road from our house, and yeah, it's a scary place to live. No, it's just great. And um, so it's nice and warm there, a little smoky from the fires in Santa Rosa, sadly. Um, but yeah, we're from California, so the fruits and nuts are in the house. So get ready, all right? All right, let's roll this thing, because I'm like killing, I'm, I'm going through time like crazy. Um, I love what you have going on around the room right now with the signage about like things you're going to do in your community. When I was speaking with Pastor Jesse, like, what would you like me to share? And he's just, he's He's like, whatever's on your heart, but here's what's going on in our church. We're really going to go into a new season of doubling down on reaching into our community. And to to me, that's like a no-brainer, right? Because if, if Jesus is truly changing our life, how horrible would it be to keep it to ourself? That's like one of the most selfish acts on planet Earth. And I love how you guys are going to be leaning into, man, let's impact our community. But here's the catch. It's not always easy. How many of you guys have ever served or volunteered or tried to help other people inch toward Christ and you found it difficult at times? Anybody willing to be honest enough? And here's the funny thing, if you're anything like me, is that when it gets difficult, in those moments are when we kind of grab for what I call the cliches. And I'm not a big fan of the Christian cliches to be totally forthright with you? Like when sometimes things get difficult, maybe it's when we're serving or life is a challenge, and we come up with these things. And so let me, let me see if you know some of these. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here because someone promised to buy you lunch afterward, make sure they pay for lunch, all right? Don't let them off the hook. But let me entertain you for a moment on this thing that we Christians sometimes say when things are hard in life. We say, okay, I want you guys to fill in the blank. Are you ready? Okay, God won't give you more than you really think about that if that were true God's calling on your life would never require God's power in your life he will always give you more than you can handle because he wants us to be dependent on him here's another one let go and what does that mean somebody tell me what that means does, I mean, like, okay, God, like, I can't figure it out. It's not going well, so I'm just going to relinquish all responsibility and take my hand off the wheel, Jesus. I'm hopping in the back seat. Last time I hopped in the back seat, we went in the ditch, right? <laughs> I get it. It's, it's well-meaning, but it's confusing. Let go and let God. I'm like, what, where, and what I, I don't really understand that one. Here's one where it was more, if you're an old-school person, um, you might be familiar with this. It's more of a less of a cliche and more of a kind of a call and response thing, meaning someone like me would stand up here and say a phrase, and then you would reply with a different phrase. So let's see if you catch it. If not, I'll teach it to you. Okay, so I'm up here, and Res Life Holland, I'm on the stage, and I go, all right, everybody, God is good. And you say, look at you church people, man. And then I would say, and all the time. Okay, let's try. Let's put a little oomph into it, okay? Because these guys over here, they're, they're, this is the dog pound right here. These guys are like in. These guys are like, I don't know about this place, right? So let's try this. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Do you believe it? Yes. yes. Does life always look like it? No. We're going to talk about a guy who, if you he heard that, probably had to remind himself of the goodness of God. If you have a Bible, open it up or scroll to it. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at this this guy. We kind of call him uh, John the Baptist. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking, so check this out. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Now, that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? I mean, this is the Son of God saying, hey, of all of God's creation, of all the people who have ever inhabited the planet, none is greater than John the Baptist. That's a pretty profound statement. And then, so you think about, okay, well, what was this guy's message? And here's what is his message if you go, If you go back to Matthew 3, verse 2, it says this, His message was repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so this guy has this message that people are flocking to. And I guess wouldn't we all, if we, if we really believe that, hey, there's a, right, there's a way to get right with God. All right, man, I'm in. If it's true, I'm in. And so John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's, Scripture says he's, he's there to prepare the way for the Lord. He's a prophet of God which means he's a truth-teller, which means he's polarizing. The dude was a rowdy guy who wore like clothing, the Bible says, made out of camel's hair, and he ate bugs as a high-protein diet. Just a rowdy guy who stirred the kind of like a Jesse Cabrera kind of man's man. And one thing I love maybe most about John the Baptist is, let me read this to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can read it later in Matthew 3. It's in verse seven and eight where he, he calls out the, the religious leaders. So the religious leaders are coming out saying, "What, who is this crazy guy? Everybody's flocking to him, and they're checking it out. they come on the scene, and here's what John says. He says, "You brood of snakes," which you kind of like that. I like. Mm-hmm. He says, "Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove it by the way you live." and that you repent of your sins and turn to God. So let me ask you this question. Would you say that John the Baptist was fulfilling God's purpose for his life? What's your answer, yes or no? Absolutely. He's doing that which God sent him to do. He's living a life God called him to live. What do you get? Thrown in prison, and then what? Got his head cut off. I'm here to encourage you today, Dale. <laughs> it begs the question when we're doing what God tells us to do and things don't go according to plan, what do we do? Well, let me ask it this way What do we do when doing what's right goes wrong? I found myself in that situation a number of times over the years. And one was when we actually, uh, my wife and I our kids, we moved from Michigan to a different state. Uh, it was in 2004. And I went to work at an incredible church. And we went there because this was a church that was really at the forefront of um, what kind of pastors call multi-site church, meaning we're going to have a number of locations for people to go to. And so when we get to this church in 2004, they were just opening up their fourth location in the Oklahoma City metro and then a little over in the Tulsa area. But we went, and we went to go launch another location in a, in a different state. And maybe it had been done before. I don't know who had done it before who said, hey, let's, let's take Res Life Holland, and let's take it to Columbus, Ohio, and let's do great kids' ministries, great worship, You know, create community, and let's have Pastor Jesse's sermon piped through on video to Columbus, Ohio, simultaneously. That's what we were doing. And so we went, moved to Oklahoma City. They were opening up their fourth location. And just a few months after, I was part of a team of 10 people who moved to Phoenix, Arizona to start not just one location outside of the state, probably hadn't been done before, but we, were, we had the audacity to go, we're going to launch two locations on the same day out of the state. We're going to go from four to six locations overnight. So we spend over $3 million investing in Uh, equipment, in marketing. We did did 150 late night infomercials in the Phoenix television market. Late night. We weren't looking for people who go to the early service. We spent tons of money on huge billboards on the expressways in the city. We We sent out hundreds of thousands of big postcard mailers announcing the arrival of this new, cool, hip church. You know, if you don't like church, you're going to love our church, all that kind of stuff. And and so we, we, we open up, and we're in two different schools. We had four semi-trucks of equipment, four loaded to the gills, two at each location. And we just come out of the shoot. man. We spent a million bucks on an office space, and we immediately grew backwards and got smaller and smaller. And then within a month, we're like, you know, we're so far in the red, we're burning over $100,000 a month in the red. After spending $3.3 million, we've got to figure out a way to pivot. And so we consolidated to one location. Half of the team moved back to Oklahoma City, and half of us stayed in Phoenix. We grew it back a little bit. About three years into it, I didn't know what to do. I was leading the location. I didn't have anything else in me. I'm, I don't know what to do. I was reassigned to a different, to different role, we moved back to Oklahoma. And shortly after that, the church just fizzled away. And it was my first real honest sense of failure in ministry. And it hurt. You know, when I was part of Res Life Granville, I mean, it was rolling all the time. You just step into the stream, and you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. I felt like a failure. And here's what I discovered in that season of failure, is that what often looks like failure is God at work moving things further. Because what happened was I learned a lot as a pastor and as a leader. I made a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of mistakes as a church in trying to do that, but we learned a ton And because of that, what looks like failure, that very same church now has 27 locations around the country. They'll have over 70,000 people in those 27 buildings this weekend, worshiping Jesus. You see, what often looks like failure, God's at work, and he's moving things further, not only. Has that church benefited from that learning experience and that what seemed like a failure? One of the guys on our team at that time uh, started his own church in the downtown area of Phoenix. It's like this really cool hipster vibe church. and They have like over 2,000 young professionals worshiping Jesus every weekend in the city of Phoenix. And then little old me with the connections through all that, I go out to Phoenix about 20 times a year teaching God's word, and people are coming to Christ. God's always at work, moving things further. But it felt like a failure. You ever felt that way? But he's he's always at work. He's moving stuff further. And, you know, here's the thing, man, is our plan at that time was to, man, we're going to build a great church, We're going to have two church locations in a brand new city, a thousand miles away. We're awesome. See, our plan was to build a great church, but God's plan is always, always, always to build his kingdom. Let me show you something. In in Proverbs 19, if you don't turn there, it's okay. It'll be on the screen. You can check it out later in your own Bible. But it says this in Proverbs 19, 21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but, everybody say "but." but. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We got a lot of plans. But when it doesn't go according to plan, God's purpose will always prevail. In fact, here's what I want to encourage you with. When things don't go according to plan, remind yourself you're only part of the plan. Thank you God. I'm only part of this deal. In fact, I want you to say this. Say say I'm not. I'm only Okay, let's stay with that, and let's get back to John the Baptist, and let's look at this. So go to John chapter 3, if you have a Bible, John chapter 3, and here's what's going on. Um, uh, John has baptized Jesus, and people are now, who are flocking to hear John, are now migrating to follow Jesus. And John's board of directors, his elders, his deacons, the people that are hanging with John, are like, John, dude! Do you see what's happening? Our gathering, our movement is dwindling and they're all going to follow that Jesus guy that you baptized in the river. And they had the same mentality that maybe we have today, which was success always means more. So because it looks like we're going backwards, certainly something must be wrong. But John the Baptist knew his role. And what God was doing. And here's what he says in verse 27. John replies to all that chatter about people going to follow him and leaving their their movement. He says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. He knew his role in the deal. And then down at verse 30, he says this. He, speaking of Jesus, must become what? Greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Say this. Say, I'm not the Savior. I'm I'm only the servant. And if I may respectfully say, don't ever forget it. You and I are not the Savior. We are only the servant. And when you, as a church... Lean into reaching your community with the greatest message of life and hope that's ever come upon God's green earth, and things don't go according to plan. Just remind yourself I'm not the Savior, I'm only the servant. When you're standing at the door, maybe Pastor Jesse has talked you into being a greeter at the door, (laughs) and you're a flaming introvert. Okay, he he just won't let me off the hook here. Okay, I'm going to do it. And you stand at the front door, and you're like, I'm going to put myself out there. This is uncomfortable for me just to be out there and smiling and shaking hands. You're out there, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it for you, Jesus. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Res Life. And the person walks by you like they're overdosing on Benadryl. (laughs) Just don't take it personal. Just whisper to yourself, I'm not the Savior. I'm only the servant. When you're praying for someone, and God puts it your heart to pray for someone, and it seems like the more you pray, the further from God they go, I'm not the Savior. I'm only the servant. You share your story about how God's impacting your life, and someone laughs you up and down. I'm not the Savior. I'm only the servant. Maybe you made the coffee this morning here at church. Any coffee addicts like me? Yeah. Confession time? All right. And someone walks over there to grab a cup of coffee, and you know how it might go pour the coffee. Oh, this isn't quite 140 degrees, honey. This is this is a little, can you make it a little warmer? For, do you have a microwave you could take my cup for me and warm it up for me? Don't do what I know you want to do at that moment. <laughs> you want to punch them in the throat, right? Don't do that. That wouldn't look good, right? Just love on them and just remind yourself, I'm not I'm only the Serb. You're investing your life into the children of Res Life Holland. Pouring your heart into it. Maybe you're teaching first grade kids or kindergarten kids or whatever it is, and you're pouring your heart into it and you're just loving on them and they're giving their life to Jesus and you're coming alongside parents and partnering with parents to help raise their kids up with a heart after God. You're like, man, God is moving. And this little Jimmy, he's like, gives his life to Jesus and he loves you and his parents, you're all connecting and you're a a blessing in their life. The very next weekend, Jimmy comes into church wearing an Ohio State Buckeye t-shirt. What do you say to yourself? I'm not the Savior. I'm only the servant. And you keep on loving on them. Right? Keep on loving on them. You know, I... I, uh, I had to, God had to remind me to do that. He has to remind me to do that on a regular basis. Let me just be straight up with you. There was one time, though, that was really difficult, and this was like years back. You mentioned Powerhouse. We started Powerhouse in, I think, 19, I sound like we're old now, right? Back in 1842, we sailed the ocean blue. But I think it was 1999 or something like that, we literally started Powerhouse. Before that, my wife and I were pretty involved in uh, ministry to kids in the inner city of Grand Rapids. And what we would do is we would we'd go pick up like 75, 100 kids on Monday nights and bring them to this storefront location right on Division Street in Grand Rapids. And we'd do kids' church, man. Love on them. We'd worship. We'd have food and games and teach from the Bible, all that kind of stuff. And I eventually became the bus driver. So I'm driving the big school bus, and I thought, man, this is so awesome. Because I remember as a kid, right, when we had to, like, walk uphill both ways in the snow and all that kind of Michigan stuff, I remember riding the bus to school every single day, and every now and then, a fight would break out on the bus, and you knew it was a bad moment when the bus driver would pull the bus over and, re- and release that air brake. Anybody, any oldies know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you're like, oh. Oh boy, you know, here it goes. And the bus driver gets up, you know, and goes in the back of the fight. Well, I'm driving the school bus all through the narrow streets of the inner city of Grand Rapids, and one day, this huge fight breaks out in the bus. I mean, I'm talking like there's about 60 kids on the bus, and it's a literal riot going on on the bus. So I pull over and I'm, you know, in, in the moment, I'm like, oh boy, this could go, this is going really bad. But I had a moment like I was like, I'm the guy pulling the air brake, right? I'm that guy. And I get up and I walk back and it's literally, I'm not exaggerating here, a pile of kids and they're swinging away and I see through some bodies, my wife Shelly, who's a petite size and the bottom of the pile. And I'm like, all right, someone's going to heaven and meeting Jesus right now. And I'm pulling kids, I'm grabbing them by the back, and I'm you know, like, oh, you know, thank goodness CPS wasn't around back guy, right? I'm putting them in their seats and get Shelly out of there, and I was, I was fuming, fuming. We finally got it all settled down, and went and we dropped all the kids off, and we went home, dropped the bus off, Shelly and I go home, and I literally, if I'm lying, I'm dying, I'm telling you the total truth. I'm sitting in our living room, in our house, in the city of Grand Rapids. We live like right in the hood. I mean, really, seriously. We get home, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm crying. I'm so angry, I'm teared up. You ever been that mad before? And I sit on the couch, and I'm telling you this, quote, unquote, I said this. I said, God, I hate those people, and I'm never going back. You know, when you get real honest with God, you better be Ready? Right? And I am just tears in my eyes, jaw clenched, because I'm just angry as a hornet. God, I hate those people. And I'm never going back. And I kid you not, God spoke to my heart so clear, and he said, Scott, I love those people. You're going back. Come on. And honestly, my anger shifted to compassion like in an instant. And I was like, all right, I got to go back. You see, there will come a time for you as well, if you put yourself out there and you serve people and you try to share what God's doing in your life with others, there I guarantee you, take it to the bank, there will be moments when God prioritizes his eternal purpose over your temporary circumstance. When he finds you willing and faithful enough to use, he may allow you to go through some pain because he knows he can trust you, because he needs you to reach someone else. And I want to encourage you with this scripture, Um, and I'm going to pray over you guys. Here's what it says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to just let God's word speak to you, okay? Don't depersonalize it like some, something, something written a couple thousand years ago for someone. This is for you and for me. Verse uh, Chapter 15, verse 58 says this. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. God wouldn't encourage us to be strong if he knew that we never needed strength. Be strong. And he goes on. And Immovable cool thing about what he's saying here is that God never calls us to a life that's outside of dependence on him so when God says be strong be immovable he's also reminding us you're only gonna do it if you stick close to me he continues he says always work enthusiastically for the Lord no prune face Jesus serving people at Res Life Holland right always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And if I could say that and flip it, I'd say everything you do that God tells you to do is always useful in the kingdom of God. He says be strong, be immovable always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Nothing you do is ever going to be useless. So back to our question. What do you do when doing what's right goes wrong? In light of what we just read, we keep doing what's right. Because we're not the Savior, we are only the servant. The results are up to Him. The work is what we are responsible to do. And as you guys lean into reaching out in your community, even serving within your church, I encourage you be strong, be immovable. Be steadfast, be faithful, do it with enthusiasm. And even when it doesn't go according to plan, I'm not the Savior. I'm only the servant. God is always at work building his kingdom. Allow me to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to speak to you for a moment after we pray. Father God, we thank you so much thank you for this moment where we can just get real with you and what your word says Lord that what you're calling us to do there's I believe there's nothing more fulfilling or more thrilling than to lay our life down for the cause of Christ so Lord when we do those inconvenient things God give us the strength to remain immovable to be strong and to continue to allow you to use us. God, I pray for Res Life Holland that with this vision that Pastor Jesse has to to reach out even more into the community. God, I pray there's people sitting here right now that he's not gonna have to hound to get involved. But God, put it on their heart to hound Jesse that they're ready. Deploy me where you need me. And God, I pray that as we go, that your anointing would be on our life that our service would be a great reflection of your love. And that, God, that the, the goodwill that we gain by just helping other people, you would use that as a bridge to share the good news, Lord. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you one last question, and then I'm done. I'm, t- I'm standing up here, and I'm talking about Jesus and the life he gives and the calling he has our life and all this grandiose stuff, but maybe you're here today and if you and I were sitting down having a cup of coffee and we start talking about faith and your spiritual life and you felt comfortable enough to be honest with me, maybe you'd say, you know, Scott, I, I don't really have a spiritual life. I don't even know what living for Jesus means or what it looks like. Um, what, what, what Tell me about that. Let me give you 30 seconds of what this is about. God created you and me. We were born with sin in our DNA. No one has to tell us that we're a sinner. We just live life and we see it. We have a constant pull to go away from God. And God sees that in being a holy God. He says, you know, justice must be served. I must pay the price for the sin. And he sends his own son, Jesus, who dies on the cross and says, all right, the price is paid. I have done my duty as a just God to place judgment on sin. It is finished. Now to all the world, I want them to know that I love them. And will you receive Christ as your Savior, the one who died in your place for you? And maybe you're sitting here today, you're like, okay, well, what do I do, man? I want to, okay, I'm cool. I'm I'm cool with that. How do I ask Christ into my life? It's simple. We just ask. We say, Jesus, here, here I am. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Would you come into my life? Would you lead me for the rest of my life? with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and maybe you're sitting here, you're like, dude, include me in that prayer because I want to ask Christ into my life. Why would I go through another day void of God's presence in my life? And you just say, Scott, man, when you pray, would you include me in that prayer? I want to ask Christ in my life. For the first time in my life, I'm in, and I want to follow him. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If that's you, you say, Scott, include me in that prayer. Just lift your hand real quick. I want to see who I get to pray for. That's me. Sir, so I see your hand over here. Praise God for you. Who else? Man, include me in that prayer. I want to I give my life to Christ. Jesus, come into my life. Okay, let's do this. Let's all pray this together in support of, a, of our friend who raised their hand. That cool? Let's all pray. it. Say this out loud. Say, Father God, today I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross for my sin. That you've been raised from the dead. Fill me with your spirit. Be the Lord of my life. Help me follow you. Help me discover your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give my a hand. Come on, man.